The resurrection is fundamental to our faith as Christians. It's absolutely core. The truth of the resurrection is vital. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. So our preaching and talking to others about our faith is a waste of time if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If Christ is not raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. What's the point of faith without the resurrection? This is why belief in the resurrection is pivotal and crucial. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we're of all men most to be pitied. If Christ was not raised, his death was worthless, and we may as well live as we choose. All of those are stated by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. I cannot get my head around people who call themselves Christians and deny the resurrection. It's a contradiction in terms. What are they doing? They might as well go out and live as they like in the world. And that's what Paul says. The resurrection story is crucial. And one witness in particular is vital to the narrative. And that's Mary Magdalene. She's mentioned in all four Gospels as being present at the tomb of Jesus. And she's clearly a key witness to the events associated with the resurrection. This, of course, is unusual. The testimony of a woman was was considered of little value. Even in today in the Muslim world, a woman's testimony is half the value of a man's testimony. That's why rape cases are impossible to prove, because they need twice as many women to witness to the event as they need men. It's shocking, isn't it? Shocking. But that's, that's the way it was in, in the ancient world and in parts of the modern world too. The fact that Mary is one to whom Jesus entrusted such an important role adds to its authenticity. If the disciples had made up the story of the resurrection, they would definitely have had a man as the first and most important witness of it because of the culture. The fact that, they showed, that Jesus chose Mary proves the reality of the resurrection. So what do we know about Mary? Well, the answer is not too much. Catholic tradition would have us believe that she's the woman caught in adultery in John 8, but there's no evidence in the text to suggest this. The Gnostic Gospels, written some 150 to 200 years later, portray her as being very close to Jesus, even intimate with him. But that's And it's based on this that Dan Brown's conspiracy theory related to the Da Vinci Code is based. But the Gnostic Gospels have no traceability back to the first century and can be dismissed. So we can ignore that view of her. And this leaves us only with the information contained within Scripture itself. She certainly never ended up in England with Joseph of Arimathea carrying the baby of Jesus as she came, as some would suggest. That's just mythology. Luke 8, 1 to 3, tells us that she was a woman forgiven and delivered of of seven demons. We don't know what behavior that demonization took. We don't know how it manifested, showed itself. But we know, because it's referred to also in Mark's gospel, that she was a woman who had seven demons delivered from her. Jesus set her free. And that from that moment on, she followed him. She went with him. 
She was effectively a disciple, along with the other women who ministered to his needs. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. And that is shown in the life of Mary Magdalene. We know from Mark fifteen forty one that this entourage of women had accompanied Jesus to Jerusalem. It says, and when he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. So this whole procession of disciples and women, they had made their way totally. Sometimes we have this idea that it's just Jesus and the twelve. But, but these women were always around. They were always caring for the needs. They were expressing their love practically. And they were providing for Jesus out of their needs. And Mary Magdalene was one such woman. And in Jerusalem, she'd watched as her saviour and deliverer had been crucified. It says Mark fifteen forty, And there were, also many, there were also some women looking on from a distance. Among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the less. And Joseph and Salome. Imagine what it must have been like. They perhaps weren't in the upper room with the disciples, but they had seen the trial. They had seen everything unfold. And here was the one whom they had followed and served. As they looked on, they saw him raised up, brutally tortured, crucified. What must they have been thinking? What devastation must have entered their heart? What pain they must have been carrying? When the disciples had scattered and were nowhere to be found, these same women were the ones who loitered after the crucifixion to see where the body of Jesus was going to be laid. Luke twenty three fifty five. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed him and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. A man would not take care over these details. But the women who cared for Jesus was concern, were concerned how his body was going to be laid out. That it was, it was done appropriately and with honor and with decorum. They were going to come back as soon as they could and finish the job off properly. And they went back into Jerusalem. And it says in Luke twenty four fifty six that they spent the time between the cross and the resurrection preparing spices and perfume to ensure Jesus was given a proper burial. They didn't sit idly. They were preparing that which they would bring as a final offering of worship. And then Luke 24, 1. On the first day of the week at early dawn, these women came to the tomb. They were going to be there as soon as they could. They didn't wait a moment longer than necessary. But when they got there, the stone was rolled back. The tomb was empty. The body was missing. The very reason they'd come had been dashed from them. Mary's distraught, wondering what further indignity had befallen Jesus. And we now turn to the details of her encounter with Jesus in John's Gospel. Let's turn and read in John, in chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. 
So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. And I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord and that he'd spoken these things to her. The narrative begins with the women coming to the tomb early and finding the stone rolled away from the empty tomb. The other Gospels report that an angel was sitting there with the folded grave clothes. And he told the women to go and tell the other disciples that Jesus had risen. And I love the way it's related in Mark 16, 7. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Make sure Peter hears. He who had denied. Jesus says, make sure Peter gets it. And we're told that the disciples didn't believe the report. But we are told that Peter and John ran to the tomb. And it appears that Mary also, having told the disciples, came back to the tomb as well, following after them. Seems a bit like a Saturday morning park run to me. She seems a bit overwhelmed, despite, or perhaps because of encountering an angel. The report that she makes to the disciples is about the missing body. She's still concerned that some further indignity may have happened to him. She's still focused on preparing him for burial. And in verse 11 of this this passage we just read, we find her weeping outside the tomb. She's not, not yet made that step of faith. To believe in the resurrection. She's only concerned about the body still at this point. You'd think if she'd seen angels on the first visit, something might have caught. But no, she's just so consumed in her grief. that All she wants to do is to sort out the body of Jesus and make sure he has a proper burial. And suddenly there behind her is a third person. Perhaps the gardener. And even when confronted with the risen Jesus, her grief doesn't allow him to recognize her. Sir, 
If you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. But with the speaking of her name, her sorrow is turned into rejoicing. Mary. Lord. Teacher. She knew the voice of her master. Do we know the voice of our master? Do we hear? Can we recognize his voice when he speaks? She knew the voice of her master. The question is for each one of us. Are we listening? Do we recognize it? And are we willing to respond? She was overwhelmed with joy and she wouldn't stop clinging to him. Mary, get off. (laughs) Not time yet. By this time, the others had seen angels who had announced the resurrection of Jesus. They'd seen the folded grave clothes, but Mary had seen the Lord himself. And she was the first one to do so. She ran again to tell the disciples what she'd seen. And she was the first eyewitness of the resurrection. So what are the implications of the resurrection for us? Well, firstly, from Acts 2.30 to 32, it says, God did not abandon him to Hades or decay, but raised him up. The resurrection is God's vindication of his son. It was the confirmation that the sacrifice of the cross was accepted by the father. The ransom price was paid in full, and therefore death could no longer hold him. Hear that, death couldn't hold him. Jesus couldn't stay dead because he'd conquered death. He'd conquered sin. He'd conquered the enemy. Nothing could hold him. The curse was broken for you and I. Paul says in Romans 1, 3 to 4, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, but who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. The resurrection proclaims for everyone that Jesus is the Son of God. It was the final confirmation. It was the vindication of the Father on the life of Jesus. It was the acceptance of him that says, yes, you've done it. You have triumphed. You're my son. Ephesians 1, 20 to 23 tells us that through being raised up, he rules and he will continue to rule at the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are made his footstool. Through the resurrection, Jesus triumphed to become Lord of the universe, King seated on a throne. He rules, and we're told, for the church. He rules in order that we might fulfill what we're here for. Romans 4.25, he was delivered up because of our transgressions, but he was raised up for our justification. Through his resurrection, he completed the work of our justification. The resurrection means that Jesus has passed through the veil and placed his blood on the mercy seat. Through his sacrifice and his resurrection, we have access into the throne room of God. He no longer holds our sin against us. He no longer accounts us guilty. We are free come into relationship with the living God because of the resurrection. 
Romans 6, 4-6. Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism in death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin has been done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Through the resurrection, we're dead to sin and alive to God. We have power to conquer sin. We have power over death. And we have the promise of the resurrection. And 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Through his resurrection, we receive an internal inheritance and our resurrection is guaranteed. Now, if that's not good enough for you this morning, I've got nothing better. (laughs) The power of the resurrection has unlocked the treasures of heaven for you and I. And we can stand here this morning rejoicing in the Savior, rejoicing in the resurrection, and rejoicing that our Lord is seated on the throne of the universe. Father, we give you thanks for the resurrection and for your son who died for our sins but was raised for our justification. And this day, Lord God, I pray that we might live in the good of all that you've done. We thank you for Mary who was that witness to all of that happening. But we thank you, Lord God, for the reality of the truth behind it that it sets us free and gives us hope beyond the grave. Hallelujah. Amen.